I'm John. I'm Kevin. This is Brandon, and you're listening to The Sports Project. What's up, everyone? This is Brandon from The Sports Project. This new little thing we're doing now, it's called Patreon. I'm sure when you've listed other podcasts, you've heard about it. All it is is a small donation once a month to help support us and help keep us giving you the best sports-related content, the hottest interviews, and the most breaking news. There's three different tiers we offer right now. Little League, for a single U.S. dollar, you get a shout-out every episode. Junior athlete, for $3 a month, you get to pick one topic for the sports project to cover. I don't care if it's Kentucky Derby, U.S. Open, or even your favorite minor league team, wherever you're from. And then All-American, 5 bucks a month. That's it. It allows you to come in and talk on the sports project. Come join us in the recording and be a part of the show every single month. So go out, join our Patreon, support us, and help us keep giving you the best content available. All right, guys, welcome back. I'm here, as always, with Kevin and Brandon. Um, we got a special guest today doing a little interview. Uh, Brandon, why don't you bring him in? What's up, everyone? Brandon here. Today on the Sports Project, we have a special guest, professional skateboarder, Brockton Mass's own and owner of All I Need Skateboards, Anthony Shetler. Hell yeah. Hey, welcome, Anthony. Thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk, man. Yeah, we're super pumped. I... Uh... I'm, I've been skateboarding ever since I was a kid, and I've always been a fan of yours. So it was, it was really cool when I reached out, and you were like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll totally do this. So for me, I'm, I'm pretty hyped on this myself. Um, so kind of we're just going to talk about your journey in skateboarding, what it means to you, and kind of how you got to where you are now and what the, the vision is for your brand and your company, All I Need. So when you, when you were younger and you first started skating, how did you get into skating? What you know drew you into it? Okay, so um, – Okay, when I was younger, a little backstory. When I was younger, um, my father was in a motorcycle gang, and uh, he got shot when I was about 12 years old, and I was living with him in Arizona at the time, and um, yeah, he got shot. He was going to a funeral for someone in the gang. Uh, They were all on their motorcycles. A car pulled up, shot into the crowd of motorcycles. My father got hit. Um, he survived the initial, like getting shot and everything. And they got him into a hospital and stuff. But, um, right then I had to move from Arizona to the East coast to live with my mom who was dealing with substance abuse problems and just kind of, we lit, we ended up moving to the projects there and, uh, new Bedford. And, uh, then I just met one day. So I lost my father. My mom was kind of running wild. And I just met this kid in a trailer park, my friend Dale. I didn't know him at the time, but and he had a skateboard and he could do all the tricks and he was so excited about skateboarding. And more importantly, he was excited because he was looking for someone to skate with. He really wanted a friend to skate with. And uh, he just showed me skateboarding. He showed me some tricks and uh, he had an extra board and he asked me to sleep over his house that night. And I didn't have much rules, so I was like, yeah, I'm down, dude. So I just stayed at his house, and he gave me an extra board. And then from that, I was like, this is the funnest thing ever. Dale's so cool. I needed something in my life at that moment because I was kind of lost, and I was definitely lost, and that just kind of gave me something to work at, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. I can can see where skateboarding had that impact on you and kind of gave you that 
release from all the craziness of life. It sounded like yeah. things were just hitting you back and back. And uh, just to develop, to find skateboarding in that moment with your friend Dell and kind of have that be your release and, and just uh, something for you to, to go and do, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was like um, the beauty of it was that it was an escape from all the craziness in my life. And I was kind of looking for just peace, calm and peace and something fun to do. And it was definitely that, but it also was like something I could control. I could wake up every day. I could go out there and I could challenge myself at my own pace. I didn't have a coach. I just and I didn't have too many rules. It was very open. It was uh, expressive. You could take you could take any approach. And there were so many different styles in skating. It was just so open that it was like perfect for me because I didn't have much money either in skateboarding. You know, it's like a board and wheels and you can make that last for a while if, and just skate flat ground in front of your house. And uh, yeah, it was just the perfect thing at the perfect time, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, skateboarding is, is one of those things where it's just it allows you to be creative within yourself and just challenge yourself every day. I'm sure even now you've been skating for probably, you know, almost 20 years, if not over and you're still able to learn and develop stuff every single day you go out skating and, and that's super cool. So when you first started skating, did you have any skate videos or any early inspiration of kind of who you looked up to and who wanted to motivate you to skate and where you looked to, Hey, I want to kind of emulate this skater and his style. Yeah. So Dale, uh, lived with his mom and his mom was, uh, would buy him all the four and one, uh, video magazines. So all the, D, uh, VHS's back then and he'd get all the trans world magazines so I would just go through these things like it was uh, highlight reels you know like sports film basically yeah. study every trick every skater um, and some that just stuck to my mind were like Heath Kirchart was legendary just big handrails so much style and he was kind of like a recluse kept to himself he didn't really know much about him but that kind of made him mysterious um, but yeah, man, I would just study those magazines and those videos, and I would learn every trick just from watching them, man. That's super cool. That's actually funny. When I was in middle school, when I first picked up skating, I had a, a good buddy who kind of showed it to me, and I, I fell in love with it right away. So I went to my library at the middle school, and they had a backlog of just a, a room full of magazines. And I was like, hey, do you have any old like trans world magazines that you guys like, are going to get rid of? And the librarian was like... Yeah, like go through it. Take however many like magazines you want. Like they're all yours. We're gonna throw them away anyway. Wow, that's legend. <laughs> yeah, so I walked out of there with probably like four or five boxes full of Transworld magazines, going back like six, seven years. And I, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I sat there and like the nine frames a second. I studied every trick. I read every single interview in them. It was it was super cool to to look at it and see that. And it's it's pretty cool that you were able to do the same thing. Yeah, and the the, cra old... the, the crazy thing about magazines. In videos is just like all the people in them and just studying them and paying attention like I learned where they were from what they liked like I'd read all the interviews like to this day because I hang out with a lot of younger skaters that don't even remember those magazines because we're in digital era now but <laughs> I, I was I was just fixing to say I was like I was like I just think it's funny that we we had to get magazines to figure <laughs> yeah, exactly, out how to do some tricks exactly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got that, YouTube yeah it's we crazy YouTube now. back then I was on the East Coast, and it was just no skateboarding industry. I was, like, one of the only skaters. Me and Dale were, basically. And uh, we were just paying attention to all the media out West and definitely learning tricks from that. So, I mean... Yeah, and... Uh, sorry, Brandon. So, it just it just kind of seems like skateboarding was kind of there for you always, and, and, and you and Dale just, just out every day, just, just kind of doing that and going through the magazines, learning new tricks, and trying to build that up. 
Uh, were you guys into any other sports? Or did you have any other hobbies or was just skating it and skating was life? So before skating, I played on a little league team. I was we played I played for two different little league teams and we won the championship both both times. And I was a catcher, which I really liked because it was just one big game of catch and I was constantly in the game. Um, yeah, and then I played a bat. I was on a rec basketball team and we won the championship too, which was crazy. And then I tried for the high school team and didn't make the cut. And I loved fishing too. I before all sports it was just fishing me and my friend would go fish every day and just try to get away from the world and go fish and then once i found skating it was like nothing even came close to compare to skating it was so engaging and it was just like no rules and like it was a whole world that i just got sucked into you know yeah so once you kind of found that it was just the spark that set it all off and and everything kind of fell by the wayside after that huh yeah, man, it was just like the thing that I could constantly work on that was everyday challenging. You couldn't beat it, but you could get you could gain inches in it and progress and then like just keep going, man. And it just like it's so engaging even to this day, man. Like I have to I'm at the point now where I have to like talk myself out of skating because I'm too sore, or too tired, but I like still want to go. I end up filming and editing or recording podcasts about skateboarding to try to fill feel that need you know absolutely yeah yeah i, t- I totally get that and, uh, that's super <laughs> hey, cool tr- i was gonna say i think we yeah, i think we understand <laughs> yeah and, and it's the same way with me now i mean i'm 27 and and i, I work a full-time job i have a wife kid and, and a lot of times it's like man i gotta step back i can't you know finish work for the day go home and skate i gotta figure out you know when is a good time to skate when can i you know fit it into my day and things like that and and at times it I just wanted to encompass everything. I'm, I'm listening to podcasts from, you know, pro skaters out there. And, you know, I still get Thrasher in the mail every month. And I just got one, got the latest ones. Like, I'll just read those over and over. And it is something that always from, from the time I first stepped on, just like you, it encompasses your life. And I think a lot of people don't realize just the impact it has. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. I feel like people are starting to realize now, because I feel like, especially on the East Coast, I feel like it's starting to sink into the culture a little more, whereas like out West, we always dreamt about going out west because that's where the it was already it was already cemented in culture because of surfing and skating started out there and industry was big out there and there was pros and all that stuff on the east coast we didn't have any of that but now I can see it I'm like oh these people here these blue collared uh, people you know like they're like oh they're not just fucking bums they're actually skating you know like they're actually doing something so it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, that the East Coast thing is is something that I didn't realize until I had grown up that, you know, that was some because I grew up in North Carolina that it's pretty much the entire East Coast. There wasn't a lot of skaters here. There wasn't a big skate scene here. It was, you know, everything was out west. Even now, like to this day, I talk to my wife and like, hey, like we need to go. You know, she's like, let's go visit California. And I'm like, there's one reason I want to go to California and one reason only. Yeah. And that's like to go skate, go check out like all the legendary skate spots, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's super cool. So the first board Dell gave you, do you remember what it was? Was it was it a, a pro board? What was it? Ooh, okay. That's a good question. Um, it was an SMA, which is Santa Monica Airlines, which okay. I, I think that turned into Santa Cruz, but don't quote me because I don't really remember. But I just remember it was a pro level board. It wasn't a pro model, but it was definitely a good board. And uh, it was actually his friends. It was his friend's board. So Dale had this friend, Nick, and Nick was a 
kind of a spoiled kid and I, I liked the Nick, but he was spoiled and he had multiple boards. And then Dale was just like kind of a bully at the time. And he was like, Hey, this kid needs a board. Like he's taking your extra board and D Nick did not want to give it to me. But, <laughs> but, Dale, but Dale decided, yeah, Dale decided. <laughs> I guess said, he did. Yeah, Anthony gets the board. That's so. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah that's... Yeah. I'll just, I'll just take this. I'll just take this. No, that's board awesome. Thanks. So you and Dale growing up skating, did you guys skate mainly flat ground? Did you guys, you know, was there any parks nearby? Or did you guys, you know, kind of try and find any local spots or anything like that? Kind of, you know, what was the early days of skating for Anthony Shetler? Yeah, so it was just mostly flat ground, and then we'd skate, like, a mile mile or two to go to, like, Ben Franklin's parking lot and skate there. We found a gas station that was abandoned, and we just started building shit, like, just dragging wood around and moving parking curbs, and we just skated all flat ground and pushed around. Funny side note, though, Dale used to push Mongo. And, oh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know, classic, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I used to try to push Mongo when I started because he was so much better than me and he was going so fast that I couldn't keep up. And I was like, it's got to be because he's pushing Mongo. So I would try but <laughs> not do it, man. <laughs> Yo, that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. You can't push Mongo and everybody, everybody goes skating. Uh, yeah, I, used to try, I used to try to keep up with him, man. And that was the only thing I could figure out. I'm like, it's because he's pushing that way. So then I would just try practicing mongo and it just never clicked it never clicked man at all uh so speaking about pushing mongo are you when you, your skate stance are you goofy or regular i'm regular okay okay cool cool yeah i'm i'm goofy and yeah it took me forever to to transition and learn how to skate some switch stuff i thought that was probably like, i i probably spent man i i feel like i spent probably a year learning how to switch kickflip oh yeah man. forever yeah, it's like retraining all the muscles and ligaments and everything to like stretch and go that way. It's like, um, yeah, I've ha I've been skating for I think it's like twenty four years now, and I've had like my phases where I would skate it all regular or all fakey, like I would favor once one way or the others. I had like a good five years where I just loved nollie and I'd nollie everything and nollie crooks and nollie flips and just like I've I've practiced all the all the stances. Yeah, that's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, so pretty much talked about your early life. Um, is there anything else that we you want to add in there? Um, no, just just reiterate that skateboarding really saved my life, and I'm super grateful that it exists and that a piece of wooden wheels is like a muse for me to put all my energy and emotions into. Like I used to just go out there and like I didn't even – I couldn't even really focus because I had a lot of stuff on my mind, but I would just go out there and – throw my board around and cry and like hang out by myself and work through my emotions or meet someone and it would change my whole day and my whole mood and they'd be skating. And I'm just really thankful that like skating is what it is, you know? Yeah. I 100% agree. I, I feel like that's almost a common story with skaters and those who kind of stick with it for, for the long haul and for life is, is they needed something in their life that was, they were able to have that control over, like you were saying, where they were able to just get creative and just go do their own thing and just kind of get, you know, out of that craziness of life and kind of get into their own zone. And, and to me, that's what skating is all about for a long, you know, for, for a big part is it's just going out there, you're developing your own style, you're developing your own way to skate and you're just going and doing you and nothing else in the, or, you know, in the world matters. And 
you know, I don't know how it was for you when you grew up skating, but it was, it was always kind of like skaters were shunned. They were kind of like the, the dirty kids, the kids everyone looked down on. But for everyone I knew, like no one cared. You just wanted to go out and skate all day, every day. And that was it. Yeah, man, totally agree. And I feel like the fact that skating is affordable and that you can do it anywhere, it just like helps out if you're a poor little kid dealing with, uh, dealing with emotional issues. And uh, it's just cool that it's open to everybody, you know, because like there's a lot of kids nowadays getting into it and they like the structure and they almost want it to be like a contest or a sport. And that's fine with me too, you know, but I just like that there's that whole other subculture of skating where it's just street skating and friends and crews and skate jams and it, it's so complex it can encompass everything man it's it's amazing yeah i agree and, and i do i do feel like today like you know in 2020 there's almost like different clicks in skating there's like the contest dudes who you know they started skating at four years old and now they just skate nothing but contests which is totally cool man if that's your thing go for it and then you know there's there's like the little skate crews where you know they they just get up to every day they, they go skate together and they do their thing and and I love how skating has evolved, like you were saying, to where we have the ability as skaters to do that and create that and, and even transition just from, hey, like, you know, I've me and the crew have always been the dudes who, who skate these bigger stairs to going out and just, you know, skating contests for a while. It's super fluid and just allows you to transition into everything and anything. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I've been through the whole gambit. I went from, like, that little kid to um, getting sponsored, being flow to amateur to pro to uh, losing all my sponsors, to starting a skateboard brand, to turning people, uh, get sponsoring kids, to turning them pro, to putting out all the content, to filming it, like the whole run of it, man. I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, that's so badass. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, so man. that's really interesting. <laughs> that's... I mean, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is how did you or when did you kind of first realize that you could kind of take this into from just a hobby or a passion that you have to, to kind of turn it into a career to what you've made out of it today. I mean, do you remember kind of that turning point or did it just kind of happen or, or, or what was kind of the process with that? Okay. So, um, soon as I met Dale and he gave me that board and we just became best buds, it was on. We're like, all right, we're going to, the fact that I learned that you could do a kickflip or you could do tricks. And then he started showing me the magazines and videos. And I realized there was a whole industry and a whole world of people that were like, creating culture together and building on top of it, I, I was like hooked and I was like, I just want to do all the stuff, you know, I want to be involved with skating as much as possible. And there was no question about it. I never second guessed it or anything. I was just like, this is going to be my whole life. So then I just kept skating and progressing. And then once I got to the point where I was uh, doing some of the tricks that I saw on videos and magazines and I started filming, I met kids that would film me and make sponsor me tapes and I started sending them out. I started getting good positive feedback and stuff. And then uh, I I went to some events and contests and I realized I could meet people there and I could sh share my skating with them. And then the opportunity just started happening and I just followed that. I, I just kept following that, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, you Dale, met some, met some boys that were gonna film you and, you know, hook you up. So talk us through a couple of your first sponsor me tapes. I know some of those are, you know, growing up, I, I remember reading Transworld and Thrasher, like trying to find addresses to send, send sponsor me tapes to. Yeah. And what were your first sponsor me tapes like? Uh, you know, were, you, were you trying to like, you know, put music in there with it? How did you make it flow? Things like that. 
Yeah, so my friend, I had a couple friends, but like uh, my friend Bob, mostly like he would just wake up. He he worked at the grocery store, and he'd just take his t his time off, and he would take me out, and we'd go drive around and find skate spots. But my sponsor me tapes were basically like every trick I was learning. As soon as I'd learn a trick, I'd try to dial it in, and then go to a spot and try to get it on tape, and then try to take it to the next thing and the bigger thing and this and that, and uh, we would just stack. So my sponsor me tapes would be like two to five minutes long and it would be like 10 nollie flips 20 backside flips uh front lips on everything and then i would use whatever like i had one with an m&m song it was like <laughs> dude, i would just like oh i had one with a dmx song too. it was like gangster rap and stuff yeah dude, hey. i loved it <laughs> hey. give it to you gonna give it to you <laughs> oh so get this so get this uh I had a sponsor me tape with uh, DMX, and I was wearing this Marlboro windbreaker because my mom smoked tons of cigarettes. <laughs> and she was part of the Marlboro Club. Yeah, she saved <laughs> the points, and she got me a, a red Marlboro windbreaker, and I just like had that in the whole sponsor me tape. <laughs> oh, bro, that's awesome! Yeah, I swear, all that's my so all the luggage. That's it, awesome. All the luggage we had as a kid, like every field trip, every sport event, went to friends' houses. I had the marble duffel bag my dad got from all the marble. <laughs> I'd be rolling yes. up in school with my marble bag. Like, you didn't have to go to Walmart and buy it. Like, they were already buying cigarettes and got them for free. Dude. <laughs> I got a, I got a Marlboro, um, like the, what yeah. are they called? The lifesaver yeah, yeah. vests, you know, that are like puffy. It's like, it's a, it's a sleeveless vest. And <laughs> yeah, you that said, probably uh, goes for so much money online. Back. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's dirty as hell. It was, it was old. My grandpa had it in his basement for a while. So I was like, shoot, I'll keep this. I'll wear this now sending your kids over to your, you know, kid's house with a Marlboro duffel bag. Oh man. Oh, bro, you get roasted, dude. <laughs> oh my God. Parents would man, lose their weird, minds. This is a weird side note, but, uh, some of my sisters like worked at, uh, these strip clubs out here. They were bartending and stuff. And they would get me these uh, foxy lady T-shirts, and, and they were all—they were all sports related. They just like, basically did like a Patriots colorway, and a, and I'd wear those to school. And uh, certain teachers would make me turn them inside out. And those are the teachers I, that went to the strip clubs and knew what it was. <laughs> what it was, they turn it inside out. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> you yeah, gotta incriminate they, yourself they to make you take this off. And I would just be like, "Oh, I know where you spend your time, bro." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Why do you know so this? Your journey into skating, you know, you sent in, you got all these sponsor me tapes built and everything like that. Who were your first sponsors, and, and how did that happen? Did you start off flow for a comp, you know, for a couple companies, become an M, and, and kind of how did that process go through? So I was in New Bedford, Mass, and in New Bedford, there's this awesome skate shop that's been around for as long as I've been skating. It's called Solstice Skate Shop, and they had a team, and they were making videos, and they were just like a core skate shop, brick and mortar. And I just went there, and I was like, this is heaven. I annoyed the shit out of them, you know? Like, I was there every day just hanging out, probably annoying them really bad. Was that the and first skate shop you'd ever been to? Yeah, man. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, it's 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 surreal. It's like you walk into like skating heaven. There's hundred. There's like tons of boards on the wall. There, yeah, dude. I, I that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sensory overload, and you just stand there and take it all in. It's insane, man. 
So I uh, I met my friend Jay. He owned the shop. He was cool to me, which is unbelievable because I'm sure I was annoying him. And uh, he was older than me, and I was just too overexcited. And he just, like, was cool to me, man. And then he saw that I was just super stoked on skating, and I would always tell people about the shop because I was like, this is my favorite place. It's like a clubhouse. Go here, go here, go here, every skater, you know. And uh, he just – he saw my sponsor me tapes and he started sending them out to uh brands and the first one was deluxe so spit fire and thunder and they were stoked on my footage and they were like yeah if you ever make it out west uh hit us up so me and my friends just like loaded up a van drove out west saved our money and slummed it all the way out to the west coast and went up to sf and skated with all the deluxe guys at and got tons of Spitfire wheels and trucks and it was just kind of like a flow, a flow thing, but it was awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, that's super cool. You know, being able to make that journey out and kind of get out to where you, you know, where the Mecca of skateboarding is. So did you have any favorite, you know, sponsors or companies as a, as a kid, you know, kind of at this time when you were like going, you know, going out West and hoping you can kind of maybe get on a team or have any, you know, skaters that you wanted to maybe skate with out there? So, um, before, so before I went out West too, actually, I, I went to a couple demos because we had a solstice skate shop would throw demos at our local park. There was like a little, uh, situate type park. It was uh prefab. It wasn't that good, but to me it was everything. So, uh, solstice would have like skate teams come through. And one of those teams was fiber out of New York. And I was skating with those guys, and I always just wanted to skate for Fibro because I was like, it's local, it's New York. I met all the dudes. They were super cool, and, like, it was just sick that they were East Coast. So that was, like, the first company I really, really, really wanted to ride for. And then once I went out West, too, it was just, like, I was going out there, and I went into the warehouse and met all the dudes from Deluxe. So it was, like, real, crooked, anti-hero, Spitfire, Thunder. And they were giving me wheels and trucks. So I was like, whoa, this is sick. These are all the companies that I admired, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I, and I feel like, you know, demos used to be such a big part of skating. Like all the local shops used to just have the teams come through. And, and it was like one of those things like you put on the calendar, you're like, yo, I cannot miss this demo. It's going to be the biggest thing, you know, around. So that's super yeah. cool that you're able to I love demos. Yeah, demos were awesome, definitely. Yeah, I agree. So kind of talk us through your journey out West and, you know, you went to deluxe, got all this, you know, gear, trucks, wheels, everything like that. You know, what happened after that? So they started like, um, the guys from deluxe just started helping promote me, you know, which was really cool. Cause now I got people on the West coast, like helping share my footage and give me product and just help me grow my name. And then, uh, but I was, I ended up getting sponsored by uh fiber because they were super cool. And I sent them my footage so then I was in New York a bunch and meeting those guys and uh, skating in New York City. So I had both sides, East and West Coast, people like helping me out, which was huge, you know? Yeah, that is and, huge. Uh, Super cool. Yeah. And then because um, I feel like with sponsorship, like a lot of young kids that get into skating, they think it just kind of happens, you know, like you're so good and it just happens. But maybe that does for like one percent of skateboarders but for most of us you got to kind of work your way onto a team because there's a there's like a hierarchy you know there's people that have put in years of work and work their way on on work their way onto a team but with fibro i was able to do that i started as flow 
and then uh, went from flow to amateur, and they started taking me on trips where we were doing tons of demos throughout the East Coast and through the Midwest. And then they actually took me out to Japan. I literally flew from the projects in New Bedford to <laughs> J- Japan, dude. And that was insane. Dude, that's wild. Yeah. How old were you doing all this? That's crazy. Uh, I was a uh, – let's see. So I got to get my timeline straight. I want to say I was like 16, 17. Wow. Right okay. around there. I started, I, I started when I was 13. Oh, wow. 12, 13, going on 13. Yeah, so like three years and you're already good, you know, taking trips to Japan. So – how, yeah. how did that all work, you know, going out to the West Coast? Where, where were you staying at? Like, you know, where were you, you living at on all these trips and, and kind of hopping between, you know, East Coast, West Coast, down in New York, things like that? So uh, when I would go out to the West Coast, I would stay at my friend Dan Bellucci's house. Oh, uh, he lived with – Hell yeah. He lived with – yeah, he lived with De- Dennis Buznitz, who's, like, legendary. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I would just stay on their couch, and, and they just let me hang out for as long as I was out there, which was cool. And then in New York, I would go out there, and uh, my Steve Rodriguez, who owns Fibro, would just let me crash on his floor. I couldn't sit on his couch because I was a dirty skater, but <laughs> <laughs> he had, like, nice couches. He's like, don't sit on my couch. I'm like, I get it, bro. I've been hanging out in the city with the rats all day. You know? Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. And, and you know, and, that, that's so cool. Yeah, and then – um. Yeah, just friends, basically, just slumming it, saving my money, eating ramen, trying not to be, like, too much of a burden, wash my dishes, like, be polite, and uh, try to add value, you know? Because I was still broke, and they were just all helping me out a lot, because they knew I loved skating, and I was stuck on stupid and wasn't going to change, so. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's one of the cool things about skaters in general is is there's not, like, I haven't met a ton of just, like, asshole skaters. Like, if you love skating, I love skating, like, everyone just kind of gets along, and they're like, yo, dude, like, I'll help you out, you know. I've seen it at parks where dudes, you know, kind of, you know, skating rough boards or something like that, and a dude, you know, got a new one, and he kind of just tosses, you know, someone who needs a new one. Hey, man, like, this is an extra board I have, kind of here's a hookup kind of thing. It's always like skaters yeah. helping skaters, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that side of skating I love, man. I feel like skateboarders are built for this time and and moving forward because what it takes to be a skateboarder is that you got to have some critical thinking ability and you're not like – there's not too many rules, so you kind of find a way to do it, which you know develops your thinking and your critical thinking, which is really crucial right now. And we're kind of like a little bit of a renegade still like we – we trespass to go skate spots and we, we assess risk all the time. Like I teach skateboard lessons on the weekends. Well, before the coronavirus, it was a huge part of my life. I would just teach skateboard lessons on Saturday and Sunday mornings and not even really for the money. I would just do it because it helped me like remember why I love skating so much. So I just, I, I would relearn skating and I'd help these kids learn the fundamentals. Um, uh, build building blocks like they would learn to fall down get back up they would find the line where it's scary and they could hurt themselves and they would just try to steady the ship and get comfortable there and and it just helps you it helps kids so much it's unbelievable it i really think skateboarding is like meant for this time right now yeah i 100 percent agree and, and skateboarding teaches so many valuable life lessons like if nothing else, skateboarding t- taught me how to like take a fall and just get beaten and just get back up and give it another run. Yeah, it teaches you not to give up because like, a lot of these little kids are so excited and they want to learn the tricks. And then it's like they, I get them out there and they, they realize it's really, really hard. And, and some of them you can see it, but I'm like, it's also really, really fun. So let's go have fun. We'll come back and then we'll work on this a little more. 
and it kind of shows them like, okay, if I work at it, I'll get better in time. And I teach them all the balance. First thing we do is our center of balance, like learn to stand on the board and balance before all the tricks come. Cause you got to learn to ride it, you know? And my, my thing is like, it'll help develop your style, you know? So we're just learning the building blocks of learning basically. So they're learning how to, uh, they have high aspirations and then they learn they got to work for it, you know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, teaching kids how to skate, kind of helping them develop their style. What would you say your, your style of skateboarding is? Um, oh man, <laughs> nowadays I say boomer cause I'm getting older, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like one, cause I have like <laughs> an epic skate team of young dudes in their twenties that are just destroying everything in their path. And I'm just like, I'm trying to like keep up somehow and it's just, uh, but, but honestly, I'm just like a street skater, man. Cause I grew up without many skate parks, grew up at that skating that curb and flat ground and just having emotional issues and working through them through my skating. So I kind of had like an aggressive street skating style. It's changed over the years, you know, but, um, that's where my heart lies really. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I can tell that's, you know, kind of from what I got from watching all your videos, even growing up, I remember seeing you in magazines and, and watching videos and things like that. Um, so, you know, you get into Fibro, you go Flow to AM, kind of what happens next? You know, do you pick up any other sponsors on the way? You know, talk us through going pro and everything like that. Okay, yeah. So um, Fibro gave me a lot of opportunities, and it was my first, like, skate family because those guys were – the shit basically they're just like down-to-earth people that love skating that built the skateboard company and they wanted to do cool stuff and they did all the demos so they were down to earth and met all the people that sold their skateboards and all the people that bought them and i uh, did that for years and then we just built like a sick team and then donnie barley reached out to me which is pretty heavy if you know anything about skating yeah yeah that's awesome um, yeah, and he's from New England, so I'm guessing he just kind of saw me skating and heard about me, and he just reached out to me and was like, hey, we're trying to build a skate, an amateur team here at Birdhouse. They're trying to revamp everything with Tony Hawk, and he's like, we really want you to, like, be a part of it. And I was like, I just, like, I was, like, conflicted, man, because Fibro literally felt like my family. They were my family. They helped me through a lot of issues, and they, they did a lot for me, more than most, you know, so it's really a tough situation, but it was like Tony Hawk, and they were willing to, like, uh, pay my rent and get, you know, like, all these perks that Fibro couldn't really do, and I was just like, this is an opportunity that I don't feel like I can pass up, so I just pulled the trigger, man, after, like, some long, long nights of thinking about it, and then I made the call, and I called Steve, and I told him, I'm like, and uh, it was kind of like a breaking up with a girl type thing. Yeah, because that was like your <laughs> and, dream uh, team, you know, as a kid. Yeah, man. And I just like couldn't say no to the other one because I'm like, I, I I knew like a job was coming, which would cut down on my skating. And um, I was just like, I want to see what I can do with this and make the most of it. So I just took the opportunity, man. And I ended up moving out west, living in Long Beach, uh, riding for Tony Hawk. <laughs> and all the guys on the birdhouse team and we did tons of demos and tours and it was insane man i went to tony's house skated at his skate park and with him and riley and um willie santos was on the team and jeremy klein yeah, that's so dope. and then uh, 
Brian Sumner. It was just like I was living the magazine dream. I used to just watch in the magazines, and then all of a sudden I'm in all the magazines, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's super. That's insane. That's, that's awesome. incredible. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, once Tony Hawk's helping you out, it's like there's a lot of doors that open. So he was just like. Tony Hawk and the whole birdhouse camp was just like, yeah, this is our East Coast like killer. He's out here now. Like, let's get him in all the magazines. Get checkouts in every magazine. So Thrasher, Trans World, Skateboarder Mag, uh, the Skateboard Mag, all the mags that are pretty much gone. Yeah, and <laughs> it's also awesome. awesome. uh, like all digital now. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, super cool. But, uh, like, you, I, I, I can't for that kind of grassroots and uh. I mean, you know, like you said, with Fiberro and everything that they did for you, and then, you know, again, you throw in legendary Tony Hawk. I mean, what what choice did you really have? But it sounds like you made the right choice and, and made the most out of it. You know? uh, yeah, yeah, man. Thank you. It was a tough choice, for real, because I was like, I felt like I was betraying Fiberro because they were smaller and they were trying to grow a epic skateboard team, and they wanted to be like – they, you know, they wanted to be the next big brand that could actually afford to help out their riders uh, more than just free stuff and travel. They wanted to try to like, you know, get help you pay your rent so you could skate more, basically, you know. Right. But uh, and we had such a heavy team at the time with Fiberro too. It was like Brandon Westgate, myself, Aaron Susky, like, and we all we all ended up riding for Birdhouse together in the end, because like. And even the team manager left Fibro, so it was like a huge hit to uh, Fibro, man. So I felt like really bad, but it was a huge opportunity for all of us, to be honest. Yeah, you can't really pass up. In, in Fibro, it sounds like they were way ahead of their times. You know, it seems, you know, growing up and watching skaters and, and talking to different dudes that, you know, went am and things like that, that, you know, they weren't paying a, a, a rent or a mortgage payment or anything like that by being an am on a team and it sounds like fiber is really forward thinking to kind of what what you have now in skating where dudes are getting pretty good checks you know depending on what they're doing or where they're skating contests things like that yeah there's more like opportunity to make some money sort of like if you're especially if you're good at contests you can find like contest series and win some cash that way you know and uh a lot of on skating a lot of it is like your board sponsor doesn't really didn't really always pay you is the shoe or the clothing you know that could cut you the check so with birdhouse it was like they paid my rent which was awesome they put us all up in an apartment in long beach and they gave us a van so we had a gas card and a van 16 passengers and then uh they hooked me up with split apparel and they would pay me monthly so that was cool um and then we were just constantly traveling and filming and like doing everything i've ever wanted to do you know hell yeah that's awesome So, so <clears throat> I, I have a question since we're talking about Tony Hawk now at this point. So, I me being me, I I'm not I'm not huge into skateboarding. I skated a little bit when I was younger, and that was really it. But I always loved playing the Tony Hawk games. And when Brandon first hit us up and let us know you were coming on, that was the first thing I thought of because I remember playing with you in in Tony Hawk's games. So like, I, what is it like to see yourself in a video game and know that like, was that for you? Was that the moment where you're like, damn, like, well, like this like, is it. Cool. Like I, it I'm going to cool be, to be a part of like, uh, I can't remember. It might've been Tony Hawk underground or whichever one. Like I never really played video games. So to me, it was like, 
I was more focused on the real thing, you know. But just to be involved involved with uh, Tony Hawk and the video game yeah. and have clips in there and whatnot, it was like everyone still brings that up to this day. They're like, "Yo, you're in that game." I'm like, "Yeah, that's pretty wild, man." Like I, you know, what I mean, just from an outside perspective, being like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> video games are massive and people love those games." To me, it's like awesome. And I, I mean. It's kind of it's it's almost our generation's history books to a to a sense. I mean, for for part of it. I mean, when you look at like NCAA and and, and Madden and Tony Hawks and stuff like that, those have those real people in them that you know, one day, twenty, thirty, forty years down the road, yeah, when they're man. playing Tony Hawk Underground Two, and they you know Anthony Shetler uh, pulls up, they're gonna go, oh, you know, who is this guy? And I can go, oh yeah, I remember him. You know, I used to play with him. I did an interview with him, like. It's just cool that, you know, the, to, it's to cool, see man. yourself and in the game. I can't imagine now that because, uh, like. my, One of my best friends, Brandon Westgate, he's in that new one that's coming out, uh, Skate XL, and it looks insane. Bro, I'm so high, dude. dude. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And he's doing, like, back nose blunt down that <laughs> big hubba in, like, L.A., and it's, like, surreal. And I'm like, dude, you're not even going to have to do any tricks. They're just going to be able to do it with the computer. <laughs> <laughs> you just retire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to love so those games, man. Your, those uh, games who, are awesome. Who took you pro? Was it Birdhouse? Oh, okay. So from from Fibro to Birdhouse to Zoo York. Okay. So how this worked was my friend Seamus was our team manager at Birdhouse, and I grew up. He was a filmer at first, who became the team manager. He learned all about being a team manager through Fibro. And then he ended up coming over to Birdhouse with me. Because once I went to Birdhouse, I was like, I need some of my friends with me. So I was like, kind of told Birdhouse about our setup. And I was like, Brandon Westgate's amazing. Aaron Susky's unbelievable. And and Seamus like, is a great team manager, filmer. So they ended up all coming over eventually. And we had like an East Coast chapter on the Birdhouse team. That's badass. And we did that. Yeah, it was, man. It was so cool. And then, uh, then we went... Then we did that for a few years, and then Seamus kind of, like, wanted to go back east, and uh, he made friends with Mark Nardelli, who worked for Zoo York, but also was one of the dudes, the fa- one of the f- people that started Fibro. So Mark was uh, was Steve Rodriguez's right-hand, ha- uh, right-hand man at Fibro, and M- Mark got a job at Zoo York in New York. And he just reached out to us, and Seamus worked out a deal that all of us would go to ride for Zoo York. So we were like, it was more money, and it was back on the East Coast where we're from. And I was like, yo, let's go, let's go. So, And it was all traveling. Zoo York had a huge budget, so they were like, yeah, we're going to send you to France, England, Japan, chi- uh, China, Australia. You're basically just going to be on tour this whole time. So I was like, yep, let's go. So all of us, me, Westgate, Susky. Seamus, we all went from Birdhouse to New York and just traveled the world for two, three years, man. Fuck, that's wild. Because, I mean, it sounds like Birdhouse kind of kept you in in California. You know, I mean, those are all legendary spots in California. But uh, to go to New York and and just travel the world skating with all your, like, best friends, like, I I can't think of a better dream than that. Oh, man, it was unbelievable. I saw so many cool places and to the point where, like, I – I forget a lot of stuff because my hard drive is so full on my brain. Yeah. You know? I'm like, I'm like, I live like multiple lives. I feel because it was also overwhelming and stimulating. I'm like, this is insane. It's hard to remember everything. People, like, 
I go back and watch the footage, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I went to that country, or I went there, or, like, and it <laughs> trips me out, man. Like, it all comes flooding back real quick. Yeah, what, uh, what one country, like, stands out to you the most is, like, your favorite to, uh, to skate? Um, oh, man, I really like China a lot because the street spots are unbelievable, and it was kind of, it was definitely culture shock. I was like, this just feels so strange. And then uh, Portugal, the food was amazing. I went to Estonia. There was a lot of good spots there and a lot of beautiful women. Uh, Australia. Dude, Australia is unbelievable. Same thing. <laughs> Tons of spots. Awesome people. Beautiful women. So, so what was kind of the one, <clears throat> I don't know, trip or, or, or time that, that you just kind of look back on and, and as just your favorite? What, what was that moment? Hmm. Maybe Australia, just because I got my ender for my state of mind part. Zyork put out a full-length video, state of mind, and that was actually the video that was like, they kind of like told me, they're like, they're like, yeah, we're going to put out this video, and we're going to turn you pro after this video. Wow. And uh, so we, we went to Australia. Yeah, that was like my dream. I was like, dude, that's what I was working towards. I wasn't one of those skaters that was ever like, too cool i was always like i'm gonna work hard like all you guys are working hard behind the scenes like the team manager the photographer all the marketing people i was like i'm gonna work just as hard and look at this as like a job you know because like at the time in skating it was kind of like an attitude like uh if you try too hard you're not that cool you know it's like the guys you it, it yeah it looked like effortless or they just had oh, some gimmick yeah. and it was just like you know that worked for them but for me i was always a workhorse because i I just had like the fear of losing it all or I also had the idea that I was really grateful to be there you know so I was like I don't want to squander any opportunities and I don't want to let you guys down so I would out try to outwork everyone just like I'm gonna skate my heart out and try to help you guys do your job so you can sell my boards and do all this stuff so we did the Australia trip skated my ass off everyone always did and then um that was one of the most epic trips trips by far got my ender there Video came out, and then basically, New uh, York went through some manage management changes and stuff, and they never gave me a board. They just kind of strung me along and didn't, weren't really open about like the communication about what was going on. So, uh, oh, so Seamus went and was like, "Hey, man, like I have these friends, Charlie Thomas, RP Best. They're at World Industries, and they're trying to revamp their pro team." And they saw your part from State of Mind, and they want you to go pro and skate for them, and they want to give you a pro shoe and pro board. And then there was one of those turning points where I'm like, yeah, do I stay with New York and all my friends, or do I just go try something new? That you know, so I just did that. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, World Industries is one of the most iconic. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. At that time, yeah, at that time though, they weren't they weren't really like the coolest brand because they had been through like ownership changing and stuff like that and they were rebuilding so it was kind of risky move because with york it was like the biggest coolest hottest brand ever all the gnarly skaters their best set like eli reed myself westgate susky like the list that we had as york was insane it was all the dudes yeah. killing it, you know some of my all my favorite skaters to be honest matt miller lamar hemmings donnie barley kevin taylor like Forrest Curry. Yeah, I, I remember growing up so and watching like really, videos and, and just seeing all the t skaters on the team. And I was just like, fuck, man, these are like some of the greatest skaters in the world. Yeah, it was quite the collection, man. And they had a huge budget and they were able to do a lot of cool stuff for skateboarders. Because I believe they were like 
Macy's, uh, they were selling all their clothes to Macy's and uh, Mark e- Mark Echo owned them. So there was like a lot of money to be had, you know, at that time. Um, but I just was like, nah, man, like I'm working really hard. And I, I um, Charlie Thomas is a, is a skateboarder that's been in it his whole life. RP Best, same thing. Great dudes. And they wanted to rebuild World Industries around me. And I'm looking at World Industries. I'm like, dude, this is like so much artwork. Like Mark McKee's artwork, Flameboy with Willie, like the skate team that World Industries has had and supported over the years is just like, there's no brand that can compare to World Industries. And I was like, yeah, let's go. This is what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah. You know? I, it's funny, actually. World Industries was my first like non Walmart skateboard, my first like, you know, real skateboard company skateboard yeah. as a World Industries. I picked it up. I don't remember where I picked it up. My, uh, my mom, like, she saved up her money from working at you know, this little fast food joint for my birthday one year. She like went out and bought it, and I was, I was so hyped. I didn't want to like scratch it up. I didn't want to skate it. I just wanted to like keep it in my room because the artwork was so cool on it. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> but um, yeah. So um, actually, side note, my brother, one of his first boards was a World Industries, and I ended up borrowing it and breaking it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's it. I gave him so many boards <laughs> after. Like once I got sponsored, I was like, "Here, Sam. Anytime you need a board, <laughs> bro, I got you." Up, <laughs> I, owe, I owe you I, all I, of so the I, world industry. Yeah, boards. I ended up riding for World Industries, and they were just like they built the team around me. Basically, they they had some dudes on the team, and they were like, "Yeah, let's go." And then uh, we just started putting on more AMs, and they gave me a pro board, pro shoes. I had multiple – I had like 20 pro model boards for World Industries. I'm actually looking at some of them now because I was unloading my closet. And then we did a low-top shoe, the Shetler 1, and we did a mid-top version of that. And then, um, yeah, so that was pretty epic, man. I just like the pro board, the pro shoes, making a living off of skateboarding. I'm in all the magazines again. Yeah, like life is crushing it. So, uh, so you know, skating for, yeah, for yeah. World Industries, did you have a saying can't, can't in your first board design or any of the board designs following that? Yeah, man. Uh, my first pro model was a tattoo that I got, and it was a poem from uh, that was on a Tupac album. It's my Angelo uh, poem, but it was in a Tupac album, and it was the rose that grew through concrete. And I had that tattooed on my ribs, and that was my first board. It was just a, a cityscape that I got inspired by a Nas album cover. <laughs> and then it's just this this rose growing through the concrete and it's like blossoming. And the artist at the time for World was uh, this dude, Dean Solomon, and he used to work for Disney. So like he could draw anything amazing, you know? So I just gave him the concept, he drew it out. And uh, that was my first board, the rose that grew yeah, through I concrete. Yeah, actually, uh, I think I just pulled it up actually. It was like black and then had a white bottom with a rose. Yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's it's super it right cool. There. I dig it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it, kind of like that so with skating, I always wanted to talk about my background and share my story because it helped me feel better. <laughs> Maybe that's selfish, but like whenever I, I always felt super insecure and like I didn't deserve anything because I just like I grew up with like um issues and my broken family and self-esteem issues and just trying to battle like demons in my mind so like the way I was able to do it was just to talk about it so in every interview I put out I would talk about where I came from how I'm dealing with it like I used to always feel the need to apologize about how I was you know and 
I think it's just my own insecurities, really, you know, but like just sharing my story and talking to people and people's feedback on that really helped me get over that. Like, honestly, thank you to everybody out there that ever listened to any of my interviews or read them or that support me and understand me because you truly understand me and that that helped me uh, work through all the issues of my childhood, you know, so getting that board and putting that out there was just kind of like a statement of like perseverance and like not giving up and you know, like life is a process and sometimes there's hardship in the beginning and you can work through it and stay optimistic and just don't give up, you know, like it's just one of yeah, those and things. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and looking at your pro board and kind of just talking to you now, you know, your first pro board with World Industries, it's almost as if this, your first pro board is your story in skateboarding. It's a rose coming up through concrete, like having to battle through that, having to deal with all this adversity and all these kind of challenges along the way and hitting roadblocks and then blooming into something absolutely beautiful, which is your career as a professional skateboarder. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. A lot of times the things that hold us back are ourselves, you know, like we lose direction. We don't know what we're aiming at. Uh, we have insecurities and we avoid the things that we need to do that could help us to get to the next level. Like, especially when you grow up with a broken family structure, And you don't really like for me, a lot of it was just trying to figure out how to get a control of my emotions so that I could just work at things, you know, because when you know, like a certain depth in life, like when you see a lot of violence or you have you lose someone at a young age, it like opens that well of emotion that you can't really control because you're so little. You don't have all the experience of like knowing how to manage yourself or understand. You don't have all these coping mechanisms to kind of handle it. Yeah, like I lost my father and I, I, he was a great influence, but I only had him till 12. So I didn't, I didn't get all that reassurance or I didn't get to learn all the things I would have if he stuck around, you know. And, and then my mom was off dealing with her own issues. Like she had childhood trauma she never got over and she got into heavy drugs and never really beat it, you know. So like I didn't even have an example of a woman that, you know, I just had so I had a lot of like a lot of shit happened to me that I just tried to process and thank God for skating. Cause that pulled me away from it. Cause I, otherwise I would have just dwelled on it and been like, life's not fair. And like, I've had deep thoughts of like not wanting to be here, you know? And like once, once I found skating, it allowed me to work through all my angst and all my issues. And it, it's, it gave me a foundation to learn and, and build off of. And, and like, I owe it everything. Like I owe a piece of wooden wheels, everything. And I know a lot of people out there feel exactly like me. That's why I work so hard for skateboarding now with building up a brand and trying to sponsor people and trying to like grow our skateboard community is because I know there's a lot of people out there that are just so grateful for something so trivial, but it means the whole yeah, world. Fuck, to man. Them, I, just, you know? I just got chills. Like just, just hearing that dude, that's, that's incredible. And, and again, like that is what skateboarding is like at its foundation at its core that's what skateboarding is about and it's so cool hearing your story so far and i'm pumped to hear the rest of it too but just knowing you went through all that from from losing your father meeting Dell, having you know the rough situation with your mom to to battling you know every step along the way and and then doing the exact same thing and allowing people you know to to bring them pro and to bring them onto your team that's just so incredible yeah, man, I feel like I owe it to skateboarding because it, it's done so much for my life that I'm like, if I can help others experience even just a small taste of what I've been able to to taste, it's like I'll sacrifice all my time and efforts, man. I, I've built my life around doing that. Like, and my ladies, like, 
ambitious and hardworking and she's working on things herself. So like we both have things that we're busy with and uh, it works oh, that's, out. You that's know? badass, man. And, you know, just, just continue on with your skating career, you know, world industries, you, you throw out all these pro boards, you know, 20 different, you know, plus and, and look at them. And a lot of these boards are just super rad. And, you know, I, I dig them a lot. There's, you know, you have a couple mass, you know, local ones like Boston Celtics, you know, a couple with the mic on it. You know, did you have a favorite board that, you know, kind of stuck out to you that you still, you know, maybe have up on the wall or something like that now? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the first one, the Rose to Concrete, but uh, past that one, I I did the Boston Celtics with the parquet floor on yeah. the top of the deck. I really love that deck. That one just like, I just love how it looks. It's really clean. It was done really well. That one's one of my favorites for sure for World. That's what's up. So. Um, with with world, you know, what what were you doing with the team? Were were you putting out uh, you know, were were you going on trips? Were you putting out video parts? You know, getting into Thrasher, Trans World, things like that. We you know where was your career at, and and where did you reach the peak of your world industries time? Okay, so um, world industries was awesome. We built an epic team. All the people that worked there gave a shit about skateboarding. It was their whole life. They. They just were hanging on to skateboarding and world industries was like our life raft. They were like, yeah, we want to support skateboarding and skateboarders and you guys can build a team. So we just built this epic team of like talented people that were selling skateboarding apparel and shoes. And we took the money and we just travel. We were, we were doing a lot of travel within the States. Um, and then we actually, I ended up getting vertigo, which is pretty gnarly. Um, we were supposed to go to South America and uh, I woke up like the day before and I literally had vertigo uh, and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't get off the couch, that man. Sucks. I couldn't even stand or walk without throwing up or just falling head over into a wall. Like it felt like I was the most drunk I'd had ever, ever been and it wasn't going away. That lasted for like two weeks. I was in SF, I was in SF prior to that because we were on a little skate trip and I had all these free coffee like voucher things and I drank so much coffee. And then SF is kind of grimy, especially where we were. We're kind of in the grimy areas. So, like, somewhere along the lines, I, I got, like, vertigo. I went back down south to, like, San Diego. We were about to catch our flight to South America, and I woke up, and I just couldn't do anything. So I just missed the trip. Everyone else went. Um, I stayed on a couch for two weeks while my good homie Mike Franklin basically carried me to the bathroom, cooked me food. For two weeks, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Couldn't walk. I had to lay on the couch with my eyes shut. Um, I, and then I went to the doctors and they're like, yeah, you got vertigo. We don't know how long this is going to last. Like, you can hear some steroids. This might help. It might not. Sometimes vertigo lasts for years. I don't know. Jeez. So, yeah, man. And that was my livelihood. Like, yep. my contract literally at that time said, like, if you, can, if, you, if you can't skate and get in magazines and videos and produce content for six months, we have the right to terminate your contract. So this thing lingered on for six months, and I couldn't skate still. Because, like, vertigo, it, it hits real intense, and then it fades away. It's like a, it was a virus. It was a – I got it through touching something maybe. I'm not really sure, but it wasn't like – there's multiple versions of vertigo. One's, like, uh, positional vertigo, which is something with, like – lining up some crystals in your ears and then the other is like a virus and it lingered for six months man so i just was getting so stressed by the end of it 
I still couldn't skate without getting a bad headache, and the and the light was killing my eyes like so bad. But then my friend Franklin was just like, "Yo, smoke some weed," because I hadn't smoked weed since I was little, because I was like scared, because I just couldn't. My life was crazy when I was little, and all the people, all the people, <laughs> all the adults were doing drugs, and a lot of it was smoking weed. So I always was like, I'm just avoiding this, because it seems like a pitfall. But then he was just like, smoke some weed, dude, and it might help. And I was like, it's terrifying concept because I'm like, I might smoke this weed. It might trigger this vertigo to get worse, you know? But um, yeah. I was, I tried everything. I tried everything. So I got to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to smoke some weed. Smoke some weed after six months, and it literally cleared it up the next day. It was like, it was already going away, but it was still lingering. But then, it, so I felt like I had a gray cloud over my eyes, but as soon as I smoked some weed, it was like HD crystal clear. Someone sprayed it with Windex and wiped it down. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I love like, it. hell yeah. All right. This is perfect. And then, you know, then I just started smoking weed a lot. <laughs> hey, yeah. I feel you there. I, I learned to manage it, but still, you know, like I was like, all right, this is helping, man. This is what's going on. And then uh, I beat the vertigo, which was awesome. And then uh, basically we went into the recession. World Industries had to cut its skate program because they were bought and sold and they transitioned from owners because we were doing a good job, you know. So, <laughs> But then the recession hit and – they were just like, all right, we got to cut the team. So everything ended, man, and I was, I was kind of lost. I'm like, damn, all this, like, all these years, and all my friends, and all our hard work, gone just because these, you know, people don't don't want to invest. People don't yeah, know how to buy houses. they just didn't want to invest in it anymore, and they had to cut back. And it was like, I'm like, you can't have this brand without. Without skateboarders, you know, it's the whole history, the roots is this. Yeah, I mean, World Industries is like um, one, literally one of the most iconic skateboarding companies to ever exist. Yeah, man. So that got crazy. And uh, I kind of like was like, fuck, man. Like, I don't know what to do. So I just was like, this can't end. Like, I don't care if we're going into a recession. Skateboarding is worth more than money to me. Like, I'm going to find a way to keep this going. Because I was like, this is all our hard work. This is everything we put into this. This is all our hopes and dreams and our sweat, blood, sweat, and tears and all the cliche stuff you can think of and more. And uh, so I just started all I need. I already had like the idea and I was already kind of making t-shirts, but I just was like, no, nah, well, now that world's done, like we're going to make decks too. So I just took my savings, which I just got a nine to five. First of all, I was like, I need to be able to pay for my bills and stuff so i just found a warehouse down here that was doing screen printing and embroidery went in there got a job just jumping just doing grunt work jumping in the dumpster with the trash and pushing it down and just catching clothes at the end of a hot ass oven in august and july in, in the east coast and just catching other people's brands and folding them and counting them for eight hours just counting and folding in front of a pizza oven basically for for as long as I could and I started making t-shirts with all I need and then I took my savings which I probably like thank god I relied on my work ethic but I probably should have put that into my mortgage and things like that but I was just like no I'm just gonna start I gotta do it now I gotta make decks with this money so I just got that job managed to scrape by eating ramen just cutting tightening my belt you know and just uh 
then I just started all I need. I was like, yeah, I'm starting it. I'm doing my own thing. I've learned marketing. I've learned how to build a team. I know how to be a team manager. I know how to do all the promotion and everything. I, everything I learned from riding from these big companies, I paid attention and I, I just applied it to my own brand and I started my own skate team and I found young kids that were positive, hardworking and talented. And we just been doing that yeah, since, so, you, know? you know. And and again, that's that's another part of the story which is just incredible. You know, you, you hit the recession, you lost the sponsorships, you lost it all, and you, you went and got a nine to five. Like watching every other company out there still produce, you know, products, things like that. And you're like, you know, screw it, man. I'm gonna go create all I need. And and just hearing your story and hearing the name of of the company, it, it's almost as if it that the name of the company is just you in a nutshell again it's it's all i need in skateboarding like that's literally all you need to be happy and survive and just and just get by and it sounds like the company you created is literally you and your your mantra like in itself yeah yeah man my thoughts were like because i was going through a really hard time right there because i was losing like all those pro models all those pro boards all the pro shoes and to me, those were all the hard work, not just mine, but like everybody on the team, everybody that like was pushing to make that happen for me, you know, and I'm like, this shit can't just fade away. And I was like, what do we really like? We're going to a recession and like I'm losing the skate dream. Like, what do I really need? Like, what do I need to focus on? And it was just like, you know, let my ego die because like I'm not pro and I don't have sponsors. Like, let it all die. What do I really need? rise from the ashes and it was like family family friends and, and skateboarding the act of skateboarding with my family and friends and that's that's it i was like all right that's it that's all i'm focusing on is that and we're going to start our own brand and we're going to build it off of that foundation right there so yeah my brother skates all my friends are from skateboarding even my fiance i met her at a skate shop like my whole life i owe to skateboarding and um that's just what what it was. All I need is just a reminder to focus on the things I need. And most of us need to do that because our needs are modest, man. You know, like if we focus on those, we can build solid foundations and then we can build up off of that. You know, we just get lost sometimes. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, and I actually, uh, you know, I, I've become a big fan of all I need. And, you know, following you guys on Instagram, watching the different videos and, and content you put out. And the entire team is super incredible I, I love watching everyone on the team skate just kind of all the different things put out all the boards are phenomenal they're great and and going yeah yeah no Thank problem you. at all transitioning from being a pro skater kind of to this nine to five and then becoming an owner of a company what what is it like you know what's the differences in, in strictly being a pro skater for a team and now being a company owner and, and how do the duties and responsibilities differ in that and how do you balance a home life being an owner skating and just kind of everything Oh man. Uh, yeah. So as a pro for like, in having sponsors, all the people behind me, we call them dark men. They're the dark men of the industry. They're like the guys behind the curtain at Oz and they're just like pulling all the strings and they're doing all the work and trying to figure out how to put the bright lights on me and my talent and my skill and my, uh, and my, uh, abilities and stuff. And they, they really like made those pro boards and pro shoes happen. And I watched them. I'm like, yeah, you guys don't get nearly enough credit. Like, and you guys are, thank God for you guys. So I was like, I already knew what I was getting into. I was like, all right, I'm going to have to kind of like tone down my skating and focus more on building this brand and trying to put the spotlight on other people because 
that's where I'll be useful. You know, like I already did the pro thing. I already traveled the world. I had the board, had the shoes. Like I was fortunate, beyond fortunate, you know? And I was just like, I can't keep doing that or it's not going to grow. You know what I mean? So for that, for skateboarding to grow, I had to put myself on the back burner and focus on other things and not try to always be the star and always be the gnarliest skater, you know? And, and I did that for so many years that I felt like it was time anyways. I was like, dude, I've been so grateful. Like I've been so fortunate to have all these experiences and everything that I did that it was easy for me, you know, even though now it's hard for me when I'm 37 and I'm watching these dudes kill it. And in my heart, I want to go jump down that big rail, but I'm like, I'm just going to get destroyed. Like <laughs> I got to leave it to them. Like inside, I still want to be that gnarly dude that does that's in the magazines that's doing the pushing the limits of the tricks and stuff. But like, I just know I'm not, I'm not as useful that way to, to skateboarding, you know, then that's my main objective is to grow skateboarding for not just for myself, but for everybody else around yeah. here. So I just started focusing on, I just started focusing on like, okay, I got to make sales. I got to start promoting all this stuff. I got to figure out a way to get these guys like videos out there. We've made three full length team videos together with all I need. Um, I just do all the day to day, man. And thank God I had all that training and paid attention when I was riding for all those other brands yeah, and, that I picked it up. And then, uh, I just, Oh no, you're good. And go ahead. And, I'm sorry. Talking about that. Like I imagine there's a lot of skaters out there who went through a similar path of going slow and pro. And honestly, they're probably not paying attention at all to what the people behind the scenes are doing. They're just like going out and skating and it's, it's incredible your work ethic to like skate, but also to learn what everyone else is doing and, and to like understand the value of, of all the people who are behind the scenes making it happen. And growing up in skating, I never realized that even those, you know, all the team managers, all the filmers, all the people putting out the brand played such a pivotal part until I was a little bit older and I read some interviews and things like that. And it's, it really, it's really cool that you paid attention and are able to take that and bring it to all I need. Yeah, that, that came from losing my father. So like once I lose my father at 12, that kind of like blew my mind because I was like, whoa, this life is temporary, you know, like I never didn't even see that coming. You know, I had no clue. I thought he was going to be there forever to protect me and just be the father he was, you know, and then that that happened. And that just that put the fear of God in me, you know, like I literally was like, oh, man, my time is finite. Like, I'm fortunate, you know, like this is serious right now. And then my mom, I learned a lot of lessons through her. I, I love my mom very much. But she struggled most of her life, you know, and uh, I learned tons of lessons because she got caught up in fear and doubt and just things that held her back. Like she could have done everything, anything. She was powerful, strong person, but uh, she never built up the discipline that she needed to, to build up a, a healthy home, you know, or a foundation for a healthy life. And I learned from her and I was just like, I never wanted to be a burden because a lot of times my mom was a burden because she was just like, she was just off. She would disappear and she would just make me stressed out and worried all the time. Even when I was like riding for big companies and traveling the world, like she would like call me up and be like crying and things are falling apart. And like, she just like couldn't, her emotions were so stretched out, man. And she just couldn't get out of the pathway she dug for herself. And she used drugs to cement that behavior, you know, instead of like confronting it, she used drugs to run away from her bad behaviors. And it's not even her fault. Like she had things that happened to her that I, I can't even understand, you know? So like 
like in our system in our life our, our society is not set up to like properly help someone like that they turn them into products and take advantage of them man the healthcare system prison system like they turn them into products instead of actually proper health care so like I just kind of paid attention because I had the fear of God in me and I never wanted to be a burden to anyone. And I always was thankful when anyone would uh, help me out because I knew that it was everything costs something, you know what I mean? So nothing is free. There's a cost to everything. So I just learned that from that, man. And, and uh, I don't know where it's going. But, no, absolutely. Uh, but I yeah. think that, um, you know, that, that that's great that, you know, you've, you've had this entire life and this road that you've been on this journey and you've just picked up these little nuggets along the way. And now you're creating your own empire and, and everything that you've learned along the way. And this is your envisionment. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. What is, you know, your vision for all I need? What does, you know, the future of all I need hold and, and what's the ultimate goal um, creating this company? Okay. So, um, okay. Two things come to mind. Well, so first the outline for all I need is we started with t-shirts. I ended up selling those to core skate shops. And then I realized like, I didn't really, I'm too close to all I need to sell it. So I was like, I got to find someone who will sell all I need for me because like, I'm too emotional in that sense. Like it's just a lot for me to do. So I was like, and I was doing everything else. So I found this kid, this guy, Conrad, who's my good friend and he helps me do all the selling. He's a great sales rep. Um, so we ended up moving apparel and then we brought in the skateboards and we ended up selling skateboards, which is awesome. And then, um, when my mother passed a couple years back, uh, she left me some money because she was taking care of her cousin who was in a war and he had, I think it's cirrhosis maybe of the liver, but he basically drank himself into issues that he couldn't get out of. And my mom and him made an agreement that, uh, she would take care of him until he passed and she could take out like a life insurance policy on him and they made an agreement. So my mom for about seven years took care of her cousin who was a veteran who was losing his mind. She would like go in the room and he'd be like shitting in his hand and wiping it on the wall and she'd be cleaning up this room and this like this dude would disappear because he had like dementia and like she'd have to go find him and like for like seven years, which was such a brutal thing because I was like. My mom kind of was like a wild child and had all her issues and she put a lot of hell on a lot of people because she, she was doing the same thing. So it was kind of full circle that later in her life, she ended up taking care of her cousin and like someone who was kind of like a burden on her, you know, and she took that and she ended up, he ended up passing after seven years and she came into some money and then it was crazy because when she passed, literally she got the money. And she was about to buy a house in Maine um, with the money. And uh, the next, like, couple weeks later, they basically found her at, at her house. And she was on her knees in front of her computer. She, like, slid out of her chair. And she was kneeling in front of her computer. And she passed away that way. And, um, yeah, and uh, she basically, the money got left to her five kids. And we split it five different ways. And the amount of money was... The, it was the perfect amount for me to take that money and put it into a heat press machine so I could heat press the graphics onto blank skateboards. So I bought a heat press machine, a shrink wrap oven, and a bunch of equipment for all I need because I was like, I got this money. Like I got to invest it into my all I need, which is skateboarding, and this will help me turn all my friends pro. And like 
make it will get better margins and it'll just alleviate some stress That's awesome so yeah i just took the money after my mom passed and i put it into skateboarding and that that has been able to help us push it forward you know so my vision with all i need is just to keep going keep growing like I'd like to do like an all I need distribution. I started doing decks for local shops and other brands, like keep pressing the graphics on for them. Um, I've been, I turned Billy Drown and Evan Mansalillo Pro, their first pro model boards with all I need. That was a dream. Uh, we've been selling a lot of apparel, t-shirts, snapbacks, beanies. Uh, we did a little uh, apparel collection with one of my youngest flow riders. Her name's Chloe. She's 11 years old, and we put out the Chloe collection because she drew this epic bird, this little bird, and she wrote all I need on it. And uh, I embroidered it, embroidered it on a bunch of clothes for her. And we were focused on that capsule that came out, did really well. But yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to follow wherever skating goes, and uh, it seems to be with apparel and skateboards and pressing graphics on for up and coming brands and uh skate shops. That's awesome, man. Really. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, and again, I feel like that, that is your story and, and you're bringing all I need to these other skaters, you know, there's, you're helping bring people pro and you're helping make a positive impact to the skating community and the skating world. And I actually, uh, I didn't know it was called the Chloe collection, but I, I saw the, you know, apparel with, uh, with Chloe and the little bird. I thought it was super cool. I was a huge fan of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so my so my ultimate goal, I guess, is just – and I, I tell all my team riders and all the people involved with the brand, I'm like, look, a brand is just talented people coming together with a, with a unified message and focus to work on something, you know? And I was like, let's keep going and see where this takes us. Like, all I need can, can change and grow in any which way. It's pretty open to that. But our roots are always in skateboarding, so that's our main focus is we just focus on taking care of the skateboard community and – and pushing it forward that way. But I'm just like looking for talented, hardworking people that can add something to it, you know? And a lot of my team riders, they, they went to school, they're educated, they're hardworking. Like even my Billy Drown, he's a licensed electrician and he wired up our heat press machine, you know? It's a three phase, you have to get a electrician to do it. And he came in, hooked that up. And then like my other friend, Kevin, who, who uh, actually is pro for World Industries, because World Industries came back to me uh, after I started All I Need, like a year or two later. And they're like, look, we got like we bought the brand. We saw what you did with World. We see what you're doing with All I Need. And we want you to help us rebuild World from the ashes. And I'm like, yeah, as long as you're fine with me doing All I Need. And they're like, yeah. So I, t I work for World again, and I've been building up World and Kevin. I turned him pro with World Industries. And he actually interned for, for me and helped me start the all i need podcast and he's helped me with the youtube channel a bunch and he's a team rider too so like i'm just trying to find young dudes that are ambitious hardworking, super cool humble like talented people Hell to yeah that's awesome thing, you know yeah and you, we've talked a decent bit about the dudes on the team and everyone on the team like talk us through a few of them kind of how you you came into to meeting them and you know do they send you a sponsor me tape do they tag you on instagram kind of how did that develop and come about yeah, so Billy Drown was just a young kid I knew from my local skate park, uh, skating oh, yeah. here uh, in yeah, Massachusetts, yeah, I, uh, and uh, that's what's up. Yeah, I've been there a couple, a few times. Oh, red. Yeah, that's like my uh, skate church. You know, like that's that's where I spend all my winters. That's where I teach most of my skateboard lessons. I've met 
hundreds of thousands of souls there because I've been going there for so long. And, um, yeah, I love that place. But I met Billy there as just like a young little pudgy kid, man. And he was just like a happy kid who was learning to skateboard. And he didn't seem to want much but uh, someone to skate with. And that was like a good sign because like, you know, some kids are so hungry to be sponsored and they want all the lights and everything that they just ask for too much too early, you know? And it's like, dude, good things take time to build and everything costs something. So with Billy, it was easy because he was just focused on his skating. He got along with everyone and uh, he understood that. He understood. I told him like, look, man, we're building something together. This is going to take time. Like, I can't promise you anything, but if you just help me, I'll help you and let's see where we go. And so that's how Billy came about. And then my other friend, Corey Goonan, he's from New England as well. He was just like, I, I saw his footage because he is friends with the guys at Solstice Skate Shop. And his footage, I could just tell. I was like, this dude gets it. Like just from his style, his approach, how he filmed the video part. I was like, yeah, I need this kid to be involved with all I need. And he was down. And then Timmy Knuth and Derek Fukuhara was riding for world and they lost their sponsors. And I was like, Hey, just come with me, man. I'm building this thing. All I need, you guys are down your family. So they came over They're pro for all I need now. Um, but yeah, basically I just try to find those are the types of dudes I find just hardworking, humble dudes that want to grow something together, you know? Uh, and then nowadays I have a flow team of young kids, real young kids. Shout out to my homie, Talon, Chloe, Anders, uh, Thomas, they're just like 10 to 15 year old and they love skating and same thing. I just told them like, Hey, I'm building this. We're growing it. Help me and I'll help you. That's and awesome. I'm in, sure that so. is a dream come true for, for those young kids, man. Like I remember growing up, like I was, you know, we'd make some sponsor meditations and I never heard a thing back, you know, I'm not the world's, you know, best skater, but it, it, I can imagine yeah. how cool it is to see, you know, for, from your perspective to, to help these kids out and, and help, you know, everyone on the team and involved to all I need just grow as a, as a person to grow as a skater and just to grow in the industry. Yeah, man. And a lot of my messaging to these kids and these, these young adults is just like, Hey man, like, like nothing's free. And I know that like the world tells you, you should be a millionaire and that there's uh, sponsors everywhere and it's easy and everyone wants to fool their way into a sponsor and shit. But, uh, I'm like, look, man, nothing's free. It's going to take hard work. I can't promise you anything, but let's give it a shot anyways. Like I just, that's my approach, you know, like I, I've seen other companies and brands just like promise the world to people and just not come through and uh, kind of mislead kids, you know, for sales. I see people mislead kids for sales. You know, I see companies with bad practices like that, man. And uh, I never wanted it to be that. So I'm I'm trying to be as honest with all my team riders and just build something slow and steady. That's what's up. That's that's super cool. And, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of the company and everything you guys put out. And I also see that you have a, you know, I've seen that you have approached you with Road Industries. Kind of just talk us through that. Like, what's it like having approached you and, and still being involved with that. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So this is my second pro model for world industries. And actually for people listening, if you want a great skate shoe for an unbelievable price, 
because of the recession, uh, I don't know if we're technically in a recession, but because of the pandemic and the hard, hard times right now, I spoke with the guys at World, and we only have sizes 8 through 11 left, uh, limited amount. But if you wear an 8 through 11, uh, they're $20 right now. They, they were down. I was like, let's just lower the price, move the rest of my shoe, that's and then insane. we can focus 20 bucks on the next for, shoe. For, uh, yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a great shoe, man. I've been skating it. If you go through all my footage, uh, you'll see. Like, I've been skating it the whole time. And the thing is, like, it's a $70 shoe that we brought down to $20, you know. And in World, I was thankful for that because, you know, we didn't have much left. And they saw that it was a good marketing move to, like, really help people out in this time of need. And uh, that's worth it, you know. Like, World's a great brand, man, and they're trying to do good things. So, literally, go to worldindustries.com, buy three pairs, man. You got 60 bucks shipped to your door. You're going to have hours of skating because those shoes will last. They're durable, suede. Oh, yeah. I'm looking um, at them right now. I pulled them up, man. Those are some sweet shoes. 20 bucks. I don't think you can go any, yeah. any wrong with that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. And we did hours of research because if you look at the sole, there's a split in the sole. So it breaks in like out of the box. It breaks in. There's doesn't feel like a Kleenex box. It feels like oh, it yeah. fits right to your foot. It's got a good bend. There's a lot of technology in the oh, shoe. Yeah. To sell it for twenty to sell it for twenty bucks is ridiculous. But uh it's a good move for world and I'm stoked that so many people have been copping it. That's awesome. Hell yeah. It's a win win, so, man. You know, after but uh, it's a trip. I can't, I can't imagine, <laughs> it's a trip like, to have a pro shoe, shoe, man. Definitely. So, you know, that's that's it. You know, you have your pro shoe now. So you know, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I, what I really like about fashion and footwear is just like the design aspect of things, and just being involved in that is really cool, man. I I really like uh that side of stuff. So like, getting involved with footwear is a whole nother thing. And my friend Colin helped me with this with both my shoes because he's his passion is footwear so like i tell him ideas and then he brings me back down to earth and tells yeah me what so we can after do you know your current it, you know? shoe sells out are you, are you you know going to start developing your, your next pro model with world i i hope so that's the goal you know we uh once we move through this shoe i'm gonna sit down and talk with those guys again and see what direction to go but i mean that's what i'm hoping for and those guys seem to have my back so We've been doing a lot of cool stuff with World for the past few years, and I've been pressing their boards through Hell all I yeah. need distribution, which helps out a lot. Uh, yeah, so it's like kind of like we have good synergy, and everyone's working together, and it's it's um yeah, that's the goal, man. Maybe maybe another one for me, or maybe we can see where Kevin's at because Kevin's a pro for World right now, and yeah, that'd be it'd be so, sick that'd to be get so him insane. a shoe. You know, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and you know, you're on our podcast now, but. I know all I need has a skate podcast that's out. So, so talk us through that kind of, we want to, you know, we want people to check that out too. Nice. Um, yeah, man, I was like early on with the podcast thing. I've been going pretty much since the recession because I was, I listened to, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan. It was, it was probably a Joe Rogan podcast. And he just would always say like, Hey, if you have something to talk about, like you should just start a podcast. So I just took it, heard that advice and took it instantly and uh i think i was the first skateboard podcast there might have been one other before me but i don't even know but i was early early on so i just started doing that because i was like yeah man like we got to promote the brand we got to let them know what we're doing that way people can understand it and we we can connect with everyone and i can put a voice out there and then i 
interviewed everybody in the skateboard industry because I was like watching the skateboard industry kind of tank during the recession. And I was like, I want to have all these shop owners on, all these pros, and kind of capture the hardest skateboarding because I just didn't know what was going to happen. I saw a lot of big corporate companies coming into skateboarding and kind of like pushing a lot of skateboarders out of the industry. And so I was like, let's just have all these people on because no one can own skateboarding, but the people that put their blood, sweat and tears into it. So my goal was to archive, archive the heartbeats of skateboarding through all the people that participated in it and live their life and dedicate their life to it. So that's what the podcast was. It was like, my way of reaching out to skaters and connecting and letting them share their story and uh, just build a network. Fuck, so that's have awesome, dude. Yeah, I, a voice, I, you know? I, I bet that's like, you know, it's like a time capsule, like a piece of history to see, you know, what skaters were doing at that time, kind of how the recession hit them, how the changes in skateboarding are affecting them, things like that. That's super cool. It's it's awesome getting the stories out there. And, and yeah, and it's like, it's real time too. So like, if there's something we got to talk about or something we got to like put out there, we can, I have my podcast studio set up me team riders. Like people get to meet my team riders more intimately than just like a photo or a video. It's like, it's a great way to, it's a great thing to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that we yeah, can do that's it. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm so super pumped nowadays. to like keep listening to it and kind of see where it goes. So when you're skating now, kind of, do you have any pre-skate rituals? You know, do you, do you have to go stretch for, for a little bit? Do you, you know, do something before you skate every single time, have a little ritual? Um, yeah, I mean, I stretch a lot. <laughs> I'll lay in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, I like to smoke a little weed, so my, uh, my joints are moving. That helps. Um, yeah, that's really about it. Like when I was – oh, so another layer on top of all this is when I was 16, maybe 16, 17, like I tore my ACL. Basically, right when I was riding for Fireborough, I tore my ACL, and I never got it fixed. I just kind of, like, worked through it, man. I have a high pain tolerance, and I, I was out for months just trying to rehab this thing, and I never went to the doctors because I didn't have health insurance, and I didn't really have any people. I had people telling me, you know, but I did. I was just nervous. I didn't know. Like, I didn't want to go in debt. I was just trying to build this skateboard life, you know? So uh, I tore my ACL and never got it fixed. So everything I did, pretty much amateur, pro, everything you watch with no ACL on my left knee. Um, but at 37, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. at 37, though, like, it's painful, you know? So smoke, smoking a little weed helps me, like, just get moving and not, you know, it helps with yeah, the, yeah, the pain awesome. management side of things. And, you know, it's, it's good that you're able to find something that kind of help you keep skating. What's going on, guys? John here from the Sports Project. Just want to take a little break here, let you guys know what our social medias are. So our Facebook is now the Sports Project. And then we have Instagram. Go search the.sports.project and give us a follow. And, of course, you can catch us at Twitter, sports underscore project. Make sure you guys go give us a follow, comment, get involved. We love to hear from the fans. We'll see you guys soon. Take it easy. All right, so, you know, Ty Ken talked about your pre-skate ritual a little bit. So growing up in Mass and then, you know, going all over the world, skating all over, how has the scene, skate scene in Mass changed since you kind of first started skating? Um, 
skating like when i first started skating in massachusetts there was not that many skaters there were just like older dudes and they were just kind of uh not taken very serious they were like um the riffraff you know yeah but um <laughs> and there wasn't that many good parks to be honest either there were some parks but they were built by non-skaters so they weren't like designed the best and the ramps weren't really ideal but nowadays man parks are popping up everywhere People are falling in love with skating. It's kind of become more normalized on the East Coast because on the East Coast, it has that blue-collar, hard-working mentality, especially up here in New England. So, uh, But now people are starting to see that skateboarding is, uh, you know, it's more than just, like, blowing off responsibility. You know, people are getting it, and it's growing. It's amazing. There's so many kids, man. Like, I, I, like I said, I do skateboard lessons. It's it, and I have too many people that want to do skateboard lessons, and a lot of it are like little girls that are just super pumped on skating. So it's like, it's so crazy to me because growing up, literally, I couldn't find any skaters, but now it's just like, people are not knocking at my door for skateboard lessons. It's insane. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know I've been to a couple of parks here in Massachusetts. Uh, I've been to like Lynch. I've been to you know Skaters Edge. I've been to a few different you know random miscellaneous parks I've found around the area, and and a lot of them are just super quality and super fun to skate. Yeah, that's a dream, man. That wasn't like that coming up, man. Now it's just like, I'm like, dude, people are getting so good so fast. They have safe places to go skate and like there's not cracks everywhere and they can just learn, you know. Before when I was younger, it was like, oh, those dudes in Cali are so good because they don't have the elements, you know. Yeah. And they, everything's smooth and good pop and like a tennis air rail to them is like a 14 to us, you know. Like everything's bigger here and shit. Yeah, <laughs> so, I grew, yeah, I grew the, up in North Carolina. It was the same way yeah, yeah, I've been down there. That place is awesome, man. Shout out to Eastern Skate Supply too. They they sell our boards down there. They're in yeah, Canada. hell yeah, yeah. Yep, I I've been there. Yep, that's what's up. Yeah, their park's amazing too. Yep, I uh, and I didn't actually skate my first park until I was like an adult because we didn't have any in my hometown. Like I grew up in a small beach town in North Carolina, and everyone just skated this little like shopping plaza with the movie theater. There was like all these little gaps and things like that. So dudes just skated there, and it wasn't until I was an adult that I'd actually like you know able to skate my first part regularly like you know more than just you know once every few months that was probably so fun though <laughs> yeah i was i was so hyped i was like you know a kid all over again to skate you know being able to go to the park every single day and skate so yeah currently there's a, a pandemic going on with covid how's that impacted you know all i need in skateboarding and kind of just your general general life um for well so multiple levels on one front like for street skating it's been amazing because everybody's locked away yeah yeah so i'm just like as a skateboarder i'm used to just going out into my environment and scouring around trying to find spots and that that involves driving and trespassing and going down parking lots and looking behind buildings and just trying to find cool stuff to skate so like right now it's the best time for street skateboarding and filming video parts because everybody's gone. So it's just like we're isolated out there around nobody and we can go wherever without having to deal with too much security, less security by far. And there's not too many pedestrians in the way. Like it's amazing. It's kind of like a little dream for the for me as a kid because like the streets are empty, you know, and skateboarders are meant for this. Uh, and then business wise, like we've been staying busy, man. We just we're always hustling to figure it out and keep it moving. So we're just on that same program, just trying to hustle and find ways to do it, man. That's what's up. Yeah, I know I work down in uh, down in Boston and there's like nobody down there. So it's, it's wide open down there too, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's rad. Like I, it's weird saying that, but I don't know. I, I feel like as a skateboarder, like I, I, I break the law, like casual laws. Like I'm sorry. Like as a skateboarder, like I, you don't always just listen to authority. You know, like growing, <laughs> growing up as a skateboarder, like the reason why I skated was because I didn't want to listen to someone tell me what to do and how to do it. So like, I, I'm safe. And I follow most laws, but when it comes to, like, going out and skating in the city, man, it's the jungle. You know what I mean? You're, like, interacting with – I go to – you're interacting with whoever. You go to New York City, you could just, like – it's wild there, you know? So you got to be able to be well, on your toes and think, you know? <laughs> well, speaking of uh, interacting with people just on the street, I mean, like I said, we've been diving into, you know, your YouTube and things like that. But um, two oh, of particular videos uh, that we came across – really struck me and I wanted to ask you about. Um, first one was the complete old douchebag who picked up your skateboard and just threw it over the fence. And uh, you wasted absolutely no time getting in his face and telling him what's up. So, you know, props to you there. So again, just, I, I mean, are there a lot of people like that that just kind of have that reaction to skateboarders in the city? I mean, is that a normal reaction or uh, was that something kind of out of the norm? Oh, uh, I mean, it changes. It's changed over the years, but um, that particular situation was I was skating a train station up near Boston, and it's a public train station, you know. And I know that I'm technically breaking the law, cause like, you know, but usually cops or security will just come and be like, "Hey, move along," and I'm not disrespectful. I'm like, "Yeah, I get it. Like, okay, I'll move," you know. Right. But I'm still gonna try. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. We were filming uh we were filming uh for my video part actually for my uh pro shoe video part. So I'm working technically, you know. And uh this guy walks by me. I'm in the middle of like a busy intersection and I'm running through the intersection when the light changes to hit this obstacle and do a line. And this guy walks by me and he's not a cop, he's not a security guard, he's just a random pedestrian just like me. And he walks by and he goes, You know you can't do that here and I go Yep, and I just let him walk by. I let him walk by. He walked by. He sat down on the ledge next to where I was going, acted like he was on his phone, and then as soon as the light changed, I was back to business. I was like, run, throw down, jump on my board, and then that's when the video kicks in. The guy jumps up, chest bumps me, grabs my board, throws it over a fence, and then I just verbally abuse him from there because, because <laughs> like I didn't like I'm. I'm a believer that words, you should be able to use your words so you don't get into a fight because I always try to avoid like an actual physical confrontation because it's horrible. But this guy like chest bumped me. He threw my property. Like I was like so close to hitting this guy, but like my rational mind kicked in and I just verbally abused him and just like a grown dude. I just sunned him basically and he just – I called him a pussy. I uh, made fun of his fashion sense. Like, <laughs> it was, I just like did everything. I felt like an idiot afterwards. And then when I watched the video, I'm like, oh, you're just such a, a ghetto Massachusetts <laughs> kid, you know? But it's like, but, uh, but I also am kind of proud because I didn't just resort to violence where like I, some of my friends might have just knocked the dude out because they had every right to, you know? I just kind of drew a line and I said, look, man, cross this line if you want to keep going. And then he just or told me back down. Or one of your boys in another video, again, that's pretty popular. I mean, he gets different reactions from uh, bystanders. and uh, he gets <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Before I get to that one, um, 
so that other video we were just talking about that one has like five million views so like yeah absolutely it's pretty intense if you read the comments too like half are for me and half hate me like and i agree with both sides how funny is that and uh but um yeah so then the next video was oh actually i'll get to that in a second the other day i went out skating right and we were skating in boston actually and we were skating and this guy was like um panhandling or whatever he had his guitar case down and was getting money and he was playing his guitar and we walked up and there was like a sick ass ledge to skate so i just started rolling around and the dude just snapped at me he was just like can't you see i'm doing something here and i just looked at him i'm like are you trying to ask us to leave and he's like all mad and in my face and he's like yeah i was like all right man I'll see you later <laughs> but like you never know you never know like that dude like I was like, I'm not even going to argue with him because he's out here trying to make money on the street corner. And I'm fortunate to be out here just skating with my friends, you know? So like right. I kept my cool, you know, and I just gave him, I gave him, he was rude as hell and I just let him have it. But I told him how I felt, you know, or I, I told him how he should have communicated to me and he did. And I think that's the best move sometimes because if you give them what they want, then they're going to feel justified. But if you can find the words to be like, you're acting like an asshole without saying it, like, that's kind of what I did. I was like, are you trying to say this? And he kind of stopped and he was like, oh yeah, that's what I am trying to say instead of just, but he was just being rude, you know, a grown man, right. you know what I mean? Probably too much in his emotions, which is fine, bro. Well, but, that's um, Boston so, for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that side of <laughs> that, that, that's, but, um, that's the world now though, man. Everybody jumps to on their emotions and, and just the first, as soon as like someone says something and if it, and if it hits you a certain way, it, 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 people just jump on you immediately. It no matter what, no matter what you meant, no matter how you said it, like it's just how it is now. Yeah, man. It, don't get me started with the world because we're just fighting with our rational mind and our emotional animal. Yeah. And uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, you can't be too rational about things. You can't overthink them. You can't think you have it all figured out. But you also can't just be a caveman. Like you got to balance the thing out. Use your heart feel your emotions but also use your brain and balance the two out and that's that's everybody as an individual struggle we have to figure out how to do that because we have the internet now and that's a layer of neuro that's a network that we can communicate that's our hearts our thoughts our feelings our perceptions like we have that capability now so we can see each other i think that's why the world's in chaos right now is because we have this uh connectivity that we never had so everyone it's like a big mirror you know mm -hmm. when i first got my iphone i didn't want the iphone but when i first got it i was like this is a mirror like as much as i'm like it's looking right at me as much as i'm looking at the world and it's like this is the way we can self-reflect you know so as a culture as a society as a world we're kind of self-reflecting on ourselves and we're seeing our good bad and ugly you know like and uh People are, uh, some people are more animalistic and some people are too much in their brains. And it's just like, we all have to work together. It's like left and right are extremes. It's the truth is always in the middle, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so the next story is, uh, this is going back to the animal side of things. <laughs> we're, out, we're, we're skating Boston and I'm with my friend CJ Lindy, who's just an interesting character. 
and he's I think he's my friend. I've hung out with him many times, and he's always super. <laughs> Hold on, I like how you said I think he's my friend. <laughs> well, like every time I've hung out with him, he's been super cool to me and polite and just interesting. But like I see some of his videos and content, and I'm kind of like don't always agree with it. I'm like, yeah, it's just slightly weird or abusive. Oh or, yeah. Like it's just a fine line, you yeah. know, fine line. He's an acquaintance. So we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fully vouch for him, but I do <laughs> yeah. like him for my experiences. Uh, we're out skating, and he comes out, and I'm skating at this gas station, broad daylight, middle of Boston, and I'm filming chicks, and then all of a sudden I see CJ, and he's like yelling across the street to some chicks, and I'm like, uh oh, something's going on, because CJ is an interesting dude, and he's always getting into something. And I guess these two chicks basically saw CJ, and he's tattooed, like, his whole body's tattooed. His neck, the side of his face, his forehead, like, he's tattooed, <clears throat> covered. And they're yelling stuff at CJ, and apparently they were saying, like, they were commenting on his tattoos, and one of them yelled, are your balls tattooed? <laughs> and C <laughs> CJ's like, they are, they are. So then I'm like, all right, I got to stop skating and go see what's going on. <laughs> so we go over. We go over to the sidewalk in broad daylight in the middle of Boston, and she's like, are they really tattooed? And he's like, yep, yep, yep. And my friend comes over the camera, and uh, <laughs> he whips out his balls, and they're not tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she's like, oh, you those aren't tattooed. And uh, he goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah, but they're fuzzy. You can tickle them if you want. And she's yep. like – She's totally like, yep, and then totally just tickled his balls on the sidewalk <laughs> with the camera what there. The fuck? And she actually said, dude, guys, she actually says, if you listen to the video, she goes, is this going to get us some hits? She's trying to help our YouTube channel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it did. Dude, yeah, and yeah. They, were from, they were from I downtown. saw that, and I'm like, <laughs> help. Wait, say it again. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, man. No, I said I saw it. I'm definitely a fan. It definitely helped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good video, man. It's it's amazing. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't believe that happened, man. After that, I was like, dude, this is the Wild West. Like, the world's crazy. And she knew she was it was going to be uploaded to YouTube and didn't care. You know, it was just like, this is it, man. <laughs> no, that's super funny. That's great. Yeah, well, uh, just that really pretty much wraps everything up and you know, we're, we're super thankful you were able to come on. And, and for me, this is, this is almost like a little dream come true. I've been able to just sit and, and bullshit and talk to you for close to two hours. It's been super cool. Like I've enjoyed it. I know John and Kevin have so much, um, just a couple things before you go. What, what's your go-to trick, your favorite trick right now? Ooh, favorite trick. I'm going to say just a kickflip on flat ground, man. There's something just so simple and like, classic about a kickflip yeah. and on flat i love flat ground because that's where you build all your tricks up from and that's the foundation so like whenever i get on my board man if i'm feeling good I, i'm going to a kickflip on flat and then just see where it takes me man that's my love yeah yeah i agree like there's nothing like landing a kickflip and like, i remember the first time i landed a kickflip was probably like one of the, the highlights of my entire skating like timeline i was just like yo i did it yeah i, I made it past like just an ollie i can kickflip on flat yeah, so true, so true. Yeah, so it's super cool, and yeah, we're super thankful for you to to be out here with us today. Um, and you know, we hope that all I need keeps growing, and you keep putting the story out there, and 
just watching and grow and getting all these young skaters and, and really making a positive impact in the skate community. And, and that's what it needs ultimately at the end of the day. And we're just super thankful. Yeah. And same guys, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and let and kind of recording and, and sharing my story, man, because, uh, it helps, it helps grow the movement. And, uh, it's all I really want to do, man. I've built my life around skateboarding and, I don't really want to do anything else. And, it, and it's so fulfilling that I, I'm just going to do this until I, I don't see myself ever stopping. Like I, I'll downsize as much as I have to, and I'll just keep going and rebuild from the ashes every time. Like I feel like this is my life's purpose. So like the fact that you guys are willing to extend your platform and share it is cool to me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I could talk to you. I could yeah. talk to you for hours about skateboarding. It's been so much fun. And, you know, I feel like we only touched a, a touch of every single topic we can get in, but, uh, it's, it's been really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll help promote and share and everything. If once you guys get it all online and, uh, if you send it to, uh, my email, which I hope you guys have, if not, I can get it to you. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Yep. We'll get it up, and we'll. Um. I don't know how long it'll take, but we'll we'll get it up soon. Um. And we, you know, again, we appreciate you coming out here. Um. And you know, for everybody that's listening, you heard him earlier on. You know, he's looking for people. So if you guys hear this and you guys want to get involved with Anthony and hit him up, you know, he's got social medias. Um, he's got that podcast. He's got a lot of ways you can hit him up and get in contact with him. So get in contact with him and help, and, and help him out. He needs it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yep. So, uh, y'all tune in next week. We'll have more interviews lined up. Anthony, again, we appreciate you coming on. We look forward to hearing from you again. And, uh, you guys listen to the sports project. <laughs>